Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is John Eyre from Pathways, and you are listening to Misery Point Radio. Wanderers, thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. Eternally grateful that you've managed to crawl your way through the darkness again and join me here in Wasteland for another spiritually transcendent experience that only I can provide. And trust me, as the one true illuminator of pathways, I am still holding strong to my conviction to lead you down that left-hand path on our never-ending quest to purge the musical wasteland of all that doth suck. And today, my friends, our path has never been more clear. And speaking of pathways, that also happens to be the name of the epic band that joined me last week live in the Misery Point Radio studio. And after a five-year hiatus, they are ready to journey back out into the wasteland with a new lineup, a new sound, and a new album on the horizon that is sure to blow away all expectations and preconceived notions about what this band is truly about. And I shit you not, these guys have a pretty cohesive plan to recapture the glory and unleash their magnum opus upon you, the starving masses, the chosen few, the anointed ones, you get the picture. This was an absolutely awesome conversation and we covered a lot of ground as we always do, including the band's new direction, the solidifying of their concept, the role of each player, their sick new video and single, the release strategy, and why they felt the need to take so much time off to regroup. Trust me when I say that Pathways definitely has their shit together and they're coming out swinging. And if there's one thing y'all know about me by now, it's that I'm a huge fan of those that dare to be different, that dare to take the risks, and that challenge the conventions and expectations that others place upon them. And this band is no exception. So lube up that stripper pole, grab yourself a martini, shake and not stirred, and swagger down that pathway to musical awesomeness. Now check this out. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am stoked to bring you today's episode because not only are our guests super fucking cool dudes and absolutely badass, but today also marks the first time in over a year that I've had live guests here in the studio. So please welcome to Misery Point Radio, John, John Air, Kyle and Will, otherwise known as Pathways. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Yeah, no, this is super exciting. And uh, Kyle, I appreciate you uh, reaching out. Now, for those of you that don't remember... Kyle disgraced us with his presence about a year ago uh, with him and my good friend uh, Brad the Wizard Miranda in less than three. And I don't really know what's going on. Did you guys like break up and have a lover's quarrel or did you just end up deciding that down the road things just had to go a different direction? What's going on with that? Just went a different way and stuff. Uh, He had his own little lineup going on and stuff and what he was doing was all right. And I just couldn't really make the time for it and stuff. But I mean, he's still doing all right, doing his own little projects and stuff too. And you know. Yeah, just on the greener pastures, as they say, <laughs> on the greener pastures. Yes, well, sir. I do remember talking to you uh, during that that time frame when uh, off camera and off air, we were talking about how you're a fan of not only that kind of music, but also of the heavier stuff, getting into the metal, getting into some of the heavier funk stuff. So uh, so we'll talk about your 
kind of incarnation into this band as well. Cool. But, uh, you know, so for the rest of you, I've recently become aware of your band and started really digging in here recently. And I'm really impressed by what I hear. And what I really like about it is that your sound has evolved quite a bit over just the course of kind of the start of your band, you know, back in what, 2012-ish or something like that to where we are now. So we're going to kind of talk about the evolution of your band's sound and your style and maybe some of the personnel things that have happened. But uh, what I'd like to do is get a little bit of history then. So kind of tell us how the concept for Pathways came into existence and kind of how you went about forming uh, this band, because there's a lot to this band. Yeah. And uh, the formation, let me, I hope this is a good story time because this is going to get a little crazy. So I moved back from LA and I put music on the internet and that's it. (laughs) And then I found people and then Pathways came about. Well, that's the long version of the story. Could you possibly shorten that up for just a little bit? So the short version, yeah. So I went to Musician Institute in Hollywood, California. Amazing school, a lot of opportunity there. I came back home to Florida. So me and Will at the end were from South Florida, specifically Fort Lauderdale, West Palm area. And then I moved back home and then I just had like this itch and it was just like something that I had to let out, you know, call it maybe just getting out aggression or... Um, just a lot of the influences that I had over the years and then started putting up music, found musicians and then found Will. And then we started writing together and it just kind of, it just, we just gelled and meshed just right away. It was awesome. Great relationship. And, um, between the formation and now there's been a lot of in between, but there's been around 13 to 14 to maybe even 15 previous members, um, that led to this point. Uh, so that's like the brief history of the formation. And I think, Will, does that sound about right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So since I've joined, uh, I joined in about 2015 because the vocalist on the last two releases, uh, he and I were in a side band together. He let John know about me. And since then, we've only had two member changes. But there was a, it was a lot in the, in the beginning from what I hear. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've kind of seen just based off some of the social media posts and some of the just kind of track in the history that there's been quite a bit of movement, which is to be expected with musicians because y'all are a bunch of flaky motherfuckers. Let's be honest. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Especially drummers. We're the <laughs> awesome. So um, now your your earlier sound, um, I, I think, quite often gets at the risk of being classification-y. Uh, you know, we hear the words like metalcore and deathcore and kind of gent. that stuff. Yeah, gent with gent. that with that hard D. I like to say degent. Uh, degent. Uh, degent. degent. So, but yeah, it's definitely has your style is very uh, progressive in the sense that you use uh, really a lot of melody, a lot of staccato, a lot of time signature changes and things like that. So those elements haven't really changed, but kind of, I think on the earlier works, what I really noticed was that there was a very definitive, uh, metal Corey sound. Was that by design or was, I, I know you went to the musicians Institute and there was kind mm. of a lot of theory and a lot of classical stuff involved in that sure. as well. So did you set out to kind of say, Hey, I want to make this kind of a band or did it just evolve organically? You know, I think a lot of it had to do with where I was in my life at the time where I kind of wanted the chaos. My life was a little bit in shambles and I was just figuring out, I would call it the age of enlightenment. And I was finding myself, didn't know where I wanted to be. But, and so that's why the earlier stuff, it was like, there was like no transitions in the music. It was just randomized, chaotic. And 
I, at the time I, I thought that was so unique. And then I was like, I'm, I'm fucking unique. <laughs> but turns out I was just another schmo writing random music. And, uh, but that was definitely the definitive sound that I wanted. I wanted chaos. And I think that reflected in the music. And um, you're right. There was a lot of time signature changes, um, a lot of staccato, a lot of classical stuff. It's always been this, this love child between like Mozart and like just metal core and like i've always liked breakdowns and singing choruses and stuff like that while also sticking to roots of like chuggy riffs and also like good compositions so between all that it just you can definitely hear the progression and i i'm so embarrassed when i hear the early stuff because i'm like it was just like there wasn't much guidance i was a Padawan without my Jedi master. Raw power. Oh, you know, we're Star Wars. <laughs> we're Star Wars nerding out here today uh, for folks you out there in the audience who don't know. But uh, we're all we're all a bunch of Star Wars nerds, which is pretty awesome. And so I love the Padawan reference there. Um, I, I, I think it worked, though. Like, I really enjoyed the sound. Um, so as as probably a new listener like myself would be, you don't have those biases. You don't sure. have those, yeah. you know, as, as a quote unquote musician myself. Um, not really. I'm terrible. But That's not true. it's always you're more critical of your own stuff. And so sure. you released uh, what three three kind of albums slash EPs before, I guess, deciding that you wanted to leave that area and make your way from Florida to the Pacific Northwest. Yep. Well, you nailed it. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And so was the catalyst for that change that you weren't happy with the whole area? Or was it just that you really said, I need to start over and get a new change of scenery and get some new inspiration so I can work on new material that has a different sound? Honestly, it's 100% the latter. I wanted that change of scenery so bad. Um, I came out here on vacation, fell in love with the place. I didn't initially want to come out here. I always thought Seattle was kind of a joke because in Florida, all we hear about is how much it rains in Kurt Cobain. And <laughs> for the most part, that's true. But there's so much more to the Pacific Northwest, and I fell in love with this place. This place, it just has everything to offer as far as um, environment goes and the people. Man, the people out here are just like yourself, Mike. Like, it's just, you're so welcoming and just so awesome. And in Florida, we're surrounded by a bunch of assholes. Well, none of you will make it out here alive, just so you know, (laughs) but that's cool. So you come here with an idea that you kind of want to set some new things in motion and so uh, you and Will kind of, did you both make the journey together? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was out here like a good solid year before I came. Okay. And I, I visited him to shoot a music video the summer before I moved here. And he was like, Will, would you ever consider moving out here? And I was like, I don't know, man. I love Florida. I got a pretty cool life out there. But then I came out a second time, you know, because everywhere is cool the first time you go. And yeah, right. I, yeah. And I came out during autumn, the supposed, you know, when things start to go to shit. And it was still pretty great. So I was like, Okay, and that went by that winter. I'd already decided I'm I'm moving out here. So road tripped out, uh, winter 2019. Got up here around February 20. No, somewhere around there. Yeah, and uh, I mean, since then I haven't looked back. I've loved it out here so it's far. Been what like a year and a half, almost two years. Yeah. Okay. Well, so then let's talk about uh, the I guess the indoctrination into the cult. How did you come across? This guy, this Kyle guy, and uh, and guy. John Air. How did how did how did these two come into the fold? Or or and I guess each of you can probably individually speak on that. I love that you said come into the fold because <laughs> we're right back in the fold is one of the lyrics of one of our songs off the album. Yeah, I totally knew that. You didn't even get that track, and you knew it. <laughs> Kyle, you yeah. wanna yeah, yeah. explain the. 
process. So I just got hit up randomly back like in August and stuff. And this dude's like, hey, man, I like your guys' music. Great playing. And, you know, like I was saying before, it's like for like guitarists and like bassists to like say like, hey, nice playing, you know. Very flattering compliment. But anyway. Best compliment ever. Yeah. Your plane's pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> Your plane's pretty dope. Oh, God. My life was made. But yeah, so we got talking. I was like, oh, thanks, man. And then saw this guy's profile. John. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. They rip. Holy cow. Yeah. This guy not can as, play. Not his Tinder profile, right? Different profile? Uh, grinder. This is my grinder. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his OnlyFans. Yeah. 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 Lucky me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so started looking through this stuff. Pathways. I was like, hey, yeah, that, this sounds awesome. And then he's like, yeah, well, we're looking for a bass, bass, or bass player. Wonder if you'd be interested, uh, if you'd want to try an audition. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's give it a shot. So he sent me uh, one of their tunes from uh, the, I guess, what will be released for the full length album. Um, but, uh, sent me a bass solo to learn. So I learned this little section of a song and then took me a good, like four or five hours or something. Didn't expect him to even get it. It was more of like a troll thing, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. We definitely gave it him was one a of difficult the, section for the sure. harder yeah. parts of the bass. It, yeah. It's got all sorts of slap in some tap in just all sorts of like major, every major flex on the bass. He turned it around like a motherfucker. So you expected <laughs> him to fail, and uh, he surprised you? Yeah, we were yeah. like, well, if he can make it through this, then he can play anything else in the album, most likely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard that Kyle had daddy issues, so I was like, that's yeah. my key. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 there he is. There's our hand. And Johnny, how we end up finding you? Uh, online. <laughs> I got a random email from John, and uh, basically was asking me if I wanted to front a metal band. I had been in a band a year prior, and it had been a long layover since my last uh, musical endeavor. Kind of told myself the last one would be the last one. And then when I saw what Pathways was doing, I said, okay, I'll give this a shot. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And your your vocal delivery is quite a bit different, I think, uh, than, say, the prior vocalist. And, and that, that's not to badmouth the prior vocalist. Um, but you can definitely see, I think, and hear what your vocal delivery brings to kind of help set the new sound I don't know if new sounds the right way to say it, but kind of the current incarnation of the sound, I think um, it really sets pathways apart now versus where it was prior. I also noticed now, I don't know if this is a temporary thing or a permanent thing, but are you guys just going to rock the, the one guitar? Um, Cause prior you had a rhythm guitar. And so from everything I've seen now, it looks, are you moving forward just as a four piece? So the addition of Kyle, Kyle plays a six-string dingwall bass. I know. And that thing, it, first off, I don't even know how to put it into words. I've never even quite seen a six-string bass like this. And then um, bottom line is Kyle can handle all that is needed in that support of the low-end section. So in that groove, in the pocket, there's really, to be honest, no need for a rhythm guitar. Yeah. And I'm so glad you say that too, because like rhythm guitar to me is like a bassist number one enemy. Like that's, that's the one guy that's going to wash me out every single time. <laughs> Hate that. Well, so actually I, what I was hoping to hear was we're going to totally Jason Newstead you out of the mix. And justice for yeah, all mix. Yeah. yeah. I can't hear that kick drum. I still can't hear it. Yeah. It's that the, bass. the new album is called no justice for Kyle. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so that makes, that makes perfect sense. Cause yeah. I mean, prior you guys were kind of known as like this dueling, I don't know. Eight, were you both using eight strings? Yep. Dueling um, eight string guitars. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around eight string guitar. I've tried. I can't, 
can't even it's not my head I can't wrap around it, it's my fucking hand I can't wrap around right. it. But those things <laughs> yeah. are boat paddle. Yeah, they're they're beastly. Um so that that whole style of, of that that you guys kind of became known for early on. Now uh Kyle with your six string slapping madness have really kind of complemented that. So it's not so much a matter of a lead guitar and a rhythm guitar. Um, as much as it's just a, a, a really good blend of sound that, that works well together. And, you know, Will, you're, um, you're drumming. Uh, it seems like you take a very, like, your, your drum phrases, they're very methodical. It's not just like a bunch of random fills and cymbal crashes. So what I've noticed about this stuff is that every instrument really stands out in the mixes, whether or not it's the old stuff or some of the new things I've heard. Um, so when you guys get together, is this a matter of you saying, okay, I want to, I want to emphasize the guitar on this part. I want to emphasize the drum on this part. Is there like a cohesive plan behind that sound? Yeah, that's an awesome question because yeah, you're pretty right. Uh, we, we made the decision when John and I came out here that we ultimately wanted to go for a quartet. We wanted every member to be the master of their own domain. We wanted vocals to, you know, be exactly that. No one's backup singing. Uh, the lead guitar is exactly that. There's rhythms tracked on the album. Sure. Uh, but we play to a backtrack anyways for all the symphonic sounds that you hear. And Kyle is really delivering that rhythm section live. And then, you know, like you just mentioned, my drums are obviously, there's only one drums, but uh, yeah. When, so far. Is, you know, two drummers. <laughs> yeah. Floyd I've, been, style, I've right? been trying to sell it. <laughs> we, need, we at least need a bongo player. Yeah. But uh, the idea of every member having their own place and then when it comes to songwriting, like, okay, like in the new song that we sent you for you to review, it has both a guitar solo and a bass solo. That rips. Yeah, that does fucking rip. <laughs> and, you know, throughout the album, you'll hear a lot of guitar solos. You'll hear parts where uh, the instrumentals drop out and then, you know, the drums may be driving it or you'll hear parts where all the instruments drop out and it's just Jean-Air's voice in a pad. So, like, everything is, like, specifically made for the music to complement itself in the way that it tells a story. Yeah. Um. Each of you has a completely different background as far as the style of music that you come from. And so there's some hip hop influences. There's some metal influences. There's some funk influences. There's some, um, you know, William Hung influences, all (laughs) kinds of cool stuff. So how do you take all of that, that stylistic difference and come together in this band? Like what, what is it that each of you feels makes that work? Uh, John here. Um, I mean, in terms of blending genres and I guess influences, I I'm kind of a poster child for this, I guess, because as much as I love metal, I don't really listen to it all too much. And I think the same is true for all of us, despite being in a metal band, we don't really listen to it outside of what we play. Um, for me personally, I love old school hip hop. Um, I grew up in a Turkish household, so I listened to Turkish pop uh, growing up. I love Linkin Park, um, old school, post-hardcore. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess for me, it's easy to kind of bring all those influences to the table when I'm writing. Um, I don't really know how it is for everybody else, but we definitely do bring our own twist. Yeah. Uh, Incidentally, I'm I'm not familiar with... Turkish pop. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't expect most people to do that. You're not? I can't imagine any of that. So, uh, you know, are, is, is that, so there's a cultural element, I think, in the element that, that you yeah. kind of bring to the table, I guess, is, is would it be one way to look at it? Yeah, one way to look at it. And I guess what separates Turkish pop from, I guess, American pop would be 
obviously the scales that they play in the music. It has more of that Middle Eastern um, okay. tinge to it. Mm-hmm. And when I'm singing, I find that I tap into those scales a lot of the time, just Definitely. subconsciously. Yeah. It just kind of comes out. There is kind of that harmonic minor vibe. Yeah, exactly. Oh, big time. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So there's augmented sevenths and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I kind of, I feel, I picked up on that a little bit. Um, that's the extent of my musical prowess there as far as identifying that goes. But it's pretty good. Solid yeah. name drop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the so flat third and sixth, I think. Yeah, that, but that is, that is a, definitely an element of that that I picked. But it's not it's not like in your face. Like it's not a bunch of just creeping death, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. And it's not just so blatant about it. But it's very subtle. And I, I think it, it works, you know, really well. So when you're um, kind of composing the songs and then like the vocal melodies, Um, I assume that are each of you kind of writing your parts and then the next is kind of complimenting and then the next is complimenting or are you getting together and kind of saying, you know, Hey, let's try to figure out a vibe like this. Yeah. So, you know, the, the conventional or orthodox method is getting together and jam it out, you know? Yeah. And, um, especially since quarantine, that really hasn't been a thing, even though we're all comfortable around each other, but our method is definitely unorthodox but works and i always like to say that it's just super efficient it's more like a business mindset and what we'll do is we typically start off with what i would imagine most bands start off with is kind of like a riff and then you just build off of it you know a regular melody or a motif that's just a reoccurring melody and um incidentally it it usually starts off in around the harmonic minor scale for the phrygian we just kind of ride that because that's more of our sound um, that blend of metal and classical. But um, to answer your question further, we use um, MIDI programming, uh, Guitar Pro. That's uh, that's kind of our thing. It'll start there, and then what I'll do is I'll write maybe a good like 32 bars, something like that, and then maybe I can give that to Kyle, and he adds his flair, and Will will add his flair. And John Ayer... I'm usually the icing on the cake. Yeah. (laughs) John Ayer will come in usually when the music's done, but he'll recommend what he wants, a certain sound or maybe lyrics. Then we can reflect that in the music, but it'll always start with the riff. And then we just keep building and building and building. Yeah. So during the course of our, our current lovely situation we're in uh, quarantines and whatnot, have you guys been able to get together um, aside from the video shoot stuff that we'll, we'll kind of talk about in a little bit there. I mean, are you rehearsing together or are we doing the send each other the files and kind of jam in our own house kind of a mentality? Our first time playing this song goo with great old ones was for the music video. We haven't played together. Not a single time. As, as, it, as this lineup. <laughs> as this so lineup. Yeah. As like this lineup. All four of yeah. us in one room playing the same song Crazy. at once. Yeah. Okay. Because we all play to a metronome, anyways. Weird, but it works. Yeah. So I also also then no live shows for you guys with this lineup as well at this point. Not right. Yet. Because yeah. we solidified everything in like right around pre quarantine, and then right when we hit this, there's just no shows really. Sure. Yeah. Well, that that makes sense. So I, I'm I'm pretty old school, you know. Like I, I come from the era, you know, prior to electronic recording you know when i was playing in bands and recording we were recording on tape and we were mastering to adats um and so yeah super hardcore 
splicing, oh, <laughs> you know, actual splicing, splicing actually yeah. physically splicing Cut tape. And tape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, doing your own like old school multi tracking where you take like a fucking tape recorder and record yourself playing guitar. Yeah. And then you tape another tape recorder and, you know, have like a drum track in the background. And then you play them both at the same time and record a third track. And then you bounce them like oh, 20 Jesus. times. So that was kind of how the sketch pad worked for me back in the early days. And so it's fucking crazy. And so now when you think about like the advent of, of, you know, say pro tools or logic or even video integration into recording software where you can send files back and forth and jam in real time, that's, that's blows my mind. But I talk to people every day where that's what they're doing. So Mm -hmm. you guys are kind of along that same, that same line. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. It's, it's pretty, pretty mind boggling. So now that we've established, you know, the fact that you guys really are just now coming together with this lineup and things are kind of starting to fall into place, we have a new single to kind of coincide with a new album that you guys are working on, correct? Yeah, exactly. The album's actually done. Yeah, so I wanted to ask about that. So when did the album get recorded? Has this been done for a while or was this basically a COVID project that you just put the fucking speeder bike on and said, go. Yeah. I mean, definitely COVID acted as like a catalyst for it, but, um, it all started with that, that dang symphony. So we, we did the symphony and then we had one goal in mind with the symphony is to reference every single melody of this poem, this big symphonic poem into the album. So we would chop up each little piece and each little motif and make it into a song on the album. So that was in 2017. So since 2017, it's been, kind of up in the air and being worked on. So, but it was finished with John Ayer's vocals um, maybe about, I would say, eight months ago. Okay. Sounds about right. It was the end of last summer. So it wasn't necessarily a COVID project. It just kind of worked out that you maybe had a little bit of extra time now to, exactly, you know, put the fucking rainbow sprinkles on it and uh, kind of finish it up. Exactly. Uh, that's where you come in, John. You're the rainbow sprinkles and yes, the icing, I am, right? I am the rainbow sprinkles. <laughs> and actually, when I came into it, the songs already had uh, a lot of vocals done. I'm possibly every single song was finished. Um, and I kind of just replaced the uh, prior vocalist with my vocals. Okay, got it. Well, so did that. When you were doing that now, did you take what was already kind of committed to that tape and do your best to to kind of represent that original vision? Or did you come in and say, you know, I like this, but I really want to do it this way? So when I first started, I didn't even want to listen to the original vocalist because I wanted to just see what my ideas would sound like without any outside influence. And then I went back later and listened to what the old vocalist had done. And there were some spots that I thought were better than what I did. And I don't want to say I ripped off of him necessarily, but I definitely found influence in some of the things that he did. And some parts on the album are influenced by that. But I'd say like 95% of it was original. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, Especially when we're talking about like front men or front women, people that tend to become the face and the voice of a band especially when there's a change in vocalists, it often creates a split between like an old fan base and a new fan base, as Mm -hmm. well as the approach for the songwriters, you know, of which style to go. So the fact that you can take another vocalist stuff and say, hey, you know, that's really good. I really like that. I, I, I mean, personally, I wouldn't look at it like you were taking from them in the sense of stealing it as much as 
honoring that person's vision as well as honoring the vision of the song as it originally stood. And I think not a lot of people are comfortable enough in their own skin to do that. So I, I think that's pretty remarkable. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, the process, even just watching Johnny do it, just like as a bystander watching him, because um, we were there, like me and Will were there for most of the recording, Will more than me, but just watching Johnny just go over this with his fresh spin was just like, it was it was so refreshing. It was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that symphony for a second, because this kind of blows my mind. Now, there's been a lot of bands over the years that have tried to pull out this symphonic stuff out of their ass, and some of it works, and some of it, in my opinion, is an epic fail. So you worked with like a, a full symphony. I'd like to know how did you get this wild hair up your ass to work with the symphony? And then did you, uh, John, did you score this yourself? I mean, I know you're like this super nerdy school guy, but I mean, <laughs> did, did that, did you just one day say, I want to write a fucking symphony and, and then you just did it? That's exactly it. Uh, <laughs> I remember I, I was on, I was on the John, the John was on the John mm. and I, I was scrolling through, um, a bunch of Tchaikovsky songs and then I was just like, you know, as what? we all do. Yeah. <laughs> While on the loo. Yeah. And, uh, it was in that moment where I knew that it was it was my calling it was destiny and i'm not even being sarcastic here and um i i had help so i had no idea what an orchestrator was and i wanted to do true symphonic form and i wasn't really necessarily aware of that and it's very difficult to do that kind of thing it's easy to write melodies but to put it in different movements with allegro movements fast movements slow movements where do you um do like the sonata section like how do you how do you how do you formulate this so that it makes sense so that I'm doing kind of justice to this? So I found what's known as an orchestrator and I had no idea what that even was. So there's a composer and an orchestrator and a composer is someone who will actually write the melodies. And that part was kind of easy, but the orchestrator is the person who says, okay, that melody has to go to the string session over here. And this melody goes in the bass section. This melody goes to um, maybe the brass section. Maybe this goes to the woodwinds. And he helped me out a lot because I had all these melodies and I was like, I don't know who I want to write this. And then he came in and he basically sat me down and he was like, well, we could do this. We could go this way. We could go left. We could go right. And then we kind of sat down for hours and we went back and forth and then we developed and we wrote the score. So the score was written, but it was then it had to have been applied to paper. And then that had to have been sheet music to all the 42 people in the orchestra. And that was the most pain in the ass process ever, but it was so fulfilling and so rewarding in the end. Yeah, no doubt. And now that we have talked about how awesome this orchestral piece of magic is, I think it's the perfect time to share it with the Misery Point Radio listeners. So here it is, Pathways and their godlike overture known as Symphonic Poem.
I'm curious because it doesn't seem like something that overtly would fit into, I guess, what your concept would be, right? I mean, it's it's kind of like it's so different than the other stuff. So how does that tie in to the direction now that this band is moving? Always having those symphonic elements, it just made it more clear cut to us that we needed to define our sound. And in order to do that, we had to come out swinging and on the largest wave that we can possibly make the biggest splash. And that's where, that's where John Aaron Kyle kind of came in. So the other stuff that we were talking about earlier, it was very progressive and chaotic. And now I wanted to focus, we all wanted to focus more on melody and bring this to a different direction. And we're hoping that this, we've officially found our sound. And like, I know that sounds cliche and it sounds really uh, like very generalized, but you know what? It, it, I, I couldn't word it in any other way. It's, there's there's it just... a word that John, or that John and I use often. It's called timeless. The idea is if you listen to an artist from the 70s, they sound like oft, often an artist from the 70s, or you listen to a metalcore band from 2012, they sound like that. The idea was to write a song that you wouldn't know what year it was from and write an entire album that was structured around that concept. So taking something as timeless as classical music, you know, hundreds of years before any of us were born, putting that over our own instrumentals and then finding a vocalist that could mesh well with that was a very difficult process and it took a while to write, but when it did, like, we're so proud of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's pretty epic. You know, when you, and there's, there's a video that goes with it that is, is equally impressive because, you know, when you see the amount of people involved in that project, just from a a viewer standpoint, it's, it's pretty mind boggling. And uh, you know what it kind of reminds me of? It's very um, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Was yes. was kind of the vibe I got off it, and and not to go down a rabbit hole, but it does remind me that you guys just even as kind of another side kind of tangent you've done is these kind of fun little holiday theme kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. now I have seen Trans Siberian in concert probably four times, oh my God. and it's it's epic, and so that's on another level of epic. It's yeah, yeah it's epic, but but that so I, I kind of got that vibe off it, mm-hmm. and so. What I like about that concept is it's got these metal elements, it's got these classical elements, it's got these traditional elements. Um, and, and so this new album that's a full-length album that you guys are working on, oh, yeah. what can we expect out of that? I mean, are we going to see a, a myriad of styles within this, or are we going to see kind of a, a cohesive theme towards this album? John Ayer? Well, we certainly want each song to be able to stand on its own. We don't want to have a bad song on the album, but I'd say the glue is is probably the symphony. Um, That is the, I guess, the theme around the album. Um, But yeah, I mean, we definitely want the songs to stand on their own, but uh, I don't know. I think John would probably be able to answer that better. We always have this thing where it's just like, if someone's going to discover like one of our music or any band for that matter, I think it's good to just find like a random song, like put it on shuffle and they hear a random song. You want that song to to stand out and be a good song like our whole thing is no filler songs there's sometimes when you hear an album and you like honestly there's a lot of albums i listen to where i only like like maybe two to four tracks off of like a whole like 12 song album yeah absolutely and um and that's just you know that that's the artist bag maybe that's their that's their intention um but we wanted to make sure that we can do everything in our power to try to make everything uh stand out in its own right and uh, to make everything just kind of like 
to answer that question, I, I do think that there is a theme. It's thematic in a way, and it's progressive, and it's certainly, um, well, what's that word I always forget? Timeless? No. Yeah, we use that one a lot, but... Uh... Word. What's a word where you... <laughs> I sound crazy. What's it when you... Um... Oh, oh, concept album. Yeah, oh, concept, yeah. yeah, that's I like that Concept word. album. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a great one. The that's, all, that's so rush. So, yeah, concept album. So it definitely has a concept theme to it. Okay. So, um, musically or lyrically or both? John Ayer, how about lyrically? Not so much lyrically, probably Not definitely so more so musically. We were actually tossing around the idea of making the album based on a Alice in Wonderland type thing. I wanted to do and, that so uh, bad. We didn't end up doing that, um, maybe in the future. But uh, in terms of a story, that's a concept we were playing with. But I think the concept is more in the music. Yeah. We're going to do the Alice theme in the future, though. Yeah, think and, about uh, it as DS Ray was a concept album lyrically about the Four Horsemen, yeah. while the self-titled album will be a concept based off of the movements of the symphony. So yeah. like John's mentioned, yeah. it's gonna, you're going to hear them. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk then about your, the, the first single that you're going to release or that you have released. Let's talk about that. What's, uh -huh. uh, what, what is it? And tell us about it. Kyle, tell us about it. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. To me, this one, it's it's a little groovier, you know? Like, I'd say it's, like, a little bit more danceable. And, I mean, as far as, like, bass playing goes, um, I just feel like I have a lot of freedom, like, when it came to writing and stuff. Like, I go through, like, um, like the verses kind of sound more like creepy crawly, like, hip-hop, you know, kind of style, and then gets into some more, like, some slappage and then even gets like into the bass solo and stuff. Like that was kind of me and John heading that one. And like, for me is like, okay, I wrote a bass solo and it sounds like a bass solo, but then like to have a guitarist, <laughs> like put their own little flair into it. Then it just like really actually made it into like a, like it's like a guitar player writing a bass solo. And yeah. that's basically kind of what I want to try and be sometimes is like a bass player that wants to be a guitar, play, pretend guitarist, you know? Kyle is a multi-instrumentalist though. He can play guitar. Yeah, he too. plays a mean skin flute. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things me, that... Correct! <laughs> I can show you guys now. <laughs> Boom, hey, it's all on video. Uh, this will be available to subscribe. Uh, <laughs> on our OnlyFans. Yeah. Gotcha. We also have an OnlyFans. Yeah, there yes. you go. Um, but yeah, I do, I do notice that, you know, uh, Kyle, stylistically, you move very flawlessly from like a very metal oriented pick pattern right? Thank you. Yeah. to some, some funky slappage, uh, to a little bit more traditional finger style base and, you know, some, some tap in and all that kind of cool stuff. So I, I do, I do like that element of that. So what is the name of this first single? Great old ones, also known as otherwise goo. known as goo. Goo, goo. 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 And boy, it's <laughs> goo, and it's, it's just it's fun a to say single. goo. Giggity, giggity, goo. Exactly. So now, reading your your, I will call it the manifesto because that's how it was presented to me. So this this great old ones is this has kind of a Lovecraftian horror kind of a backstory behind it. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, that's exactly right. It's based on uh, Lovecraftian. So I'm a huge H.P. Lovecraft fan. I've got a, a collection of his works at home. And um, yeah, that's what the lyrics are based off of. And when I first got the song sent to me, I just thought this is insanely creepy. I got to throw some spooky, creepy lyrics on this. And I was reading Lovecraft at the time, so I was just super inspired. And uh, the idea behind Great Old Ones is... Um, it's like we as people get caught up in our own world a lot of the time and we kind of forget that 
there are other problems out there. There's a whole universe out there that's bigger than us. And it, when we get wrapped up in our own problems, we forget about that. And that's kind of what the song is about. Awesome. Now, is that kind of a standalone uh, on on what's coming out that kind of is its own concept, if you will? Yeah, yeah. This is pretty separate from the album because, like I said, this came after. This was written after the album. The album okay. was done, and then we got into Goo. Uh, it would be nice if it kind of ties in. Oh, got it. So it's it's not even on the album. It's a completely Correct. This separate is a standalone, standalone track. Yep. Now that makes sense. Okay. Now it's <laughs> kind of falling. Hey, I'm dense. I'm old. It's, it takes me a little while to get these things together. So okay, that that's cool. I really I really like the concept that you guys have an album plus there's obviously other material that that's kind of right. in the works as well. So you guys are you're staying busy. You're pushing forward. You're making new, I guess, movements uh, within the band. Speaking of new movements, so let's talk about these videos because these videos are fucking badass. So, so there's there's of course the the symphonic video, mm-hmm. uh, and then there is one for I believe it's is it is it Miserae? Is that how it's pronounced? Now I really liked that video because it had a very cool like black and white kind of motif, sure. and then we move into the new video, which it's got this Victorian vibe to it. And I got to say, Kyle, by the way, you're very fucking James Bond in this. Very, very Very mysterious. Very dapper. And you clean up well. Thank you. Um, You look like shit every other time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just that one day. It all came together. It takes a lot to put this together in the video. Yeah, none of that. So one of the things that I am starting to see as becoming a thing that a lot of bands are doing is introducing video concepts back into the fold for a while they just kind of went away because, you know, they're expensive and they're timely and, and sure. you know, they, they take a lot of many people involved in the process to kind of pull these off. So why decide to do um, videos and especially why decide to do a new video? Is this is this supposed to be a promotional launch for the album? Was that the idea behind it to say, look, we got something new and here's some tasty eye candy for you as well? It's definitely to stir up uh, buzz around the album. Um, of course, we also want to promote the single itself. But in today's climate, like video content is huge and being able to keep people engaged with your content, like audience retention, um, this is kind of going into like algorithms and whatnot and how that all works. But audience retention is huge. So to be able to grab somebody's attention and keep it is crucial as any kind of content creator, whether you're a musician or a YouTuber or whatever. And so we're just really trying to do that. Um, now this was filmed kind of in this really cool, like mansion Victorian oh, setting. Yes. Was that your idea or did your videographer say, dude, I got this place. Check this out. How did that come into, into be into existence? Is that, I don't know. I got that. really lucky with that actually. Yeah. I think it was the videographer that really hooked us up. Yeah. Carl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He really set us up with that, but it's like a place where they'll do like weddings belonged to some millionaire a couple of years back ago or something like that. And they had to get rid of it. But uh, yeah, as we were like showing up there, they had like a whole army of groundskeepers like leaving. But uh, <laughs> it, it was a wild place, beautiful location and all that. And um, someplace in Oregon. Yeah, yeah Dundee, Oregon, Dundee, Oregon, a lot of acreage. And it was just this epic Victorian mansion. And I mean, like this had every little element of like what we thought described the sound like Baroque. And a lot of like amber tones and like a broke know. is a great way to look at that. That, that yeah. was kind of the vibe that I got off yeah. of for sure. Um, what was that movie? 
uh, eyes wide shut. It yes. kind of gave me an eyes wide shut vibe. That's I was thinking, exactly what we were going like, for. You know, where's Nicole yeah. Kidman kind of kind of pump popping out of the woodwork? Uh-huh. It, it was it had that really cool uh, with the costumes and the masks and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that, that was that was really cool. What was so what was that experience like shooting in that location? Because that just seemed super badass. That was actually the tentative name for the video, right? Super Will, badass. Eyes wide, well, yeah, obviously super badass, but <laughs> eyes wide shut. <laughs> super That's badass. what we were going for. We actually had a lot more grandiose ideas to reflect the music uh, with this being like that perfect segue from this and then to the album after being so silent for so long. And we wanted to have like that ballroom dance and we wanted to get into it like that. But, you know, when once we realized what we were dealing with with COVID and a lot of people backed out at the last minute. So we kind of had to go with um, roll with the punches, so to speak. It was a hustle. It was, it was a hustle. But we found this guy. His name is Carl with um, Hot Carl Productions in uh, <laughs> Portland. Yeah. <laughs> And he he's like the guy, like when someone says like, yo, I got a guy, he is that guy. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of connections. He knew um, a lot of strippers, which was good for us because we needed seductive dancing. We had like this whole idea planned out. <laughs> Wait, were they actually strippers in the video? Yes. <laughs> Real life strippers. You okay. know, when you come in contact with one, it's like a dinosaur. You don't want to be too afraid. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um watching starstruck. yeah watching watching like they were they were true uh masters of the crafts like honestly they were awesome and um they were able to, yeah, they were multifaceted. Yeah. it was fun like kicking it with them too just like bullshit and stuff uh, but how they all was that in a mansion oh. and just kicking it with strippers all day yeah and even drinking champagne too and yeah, love and cool. professional catering from mm-hmm. subway yes only true. the best <laughs> ham and cheese all day baby the production was pretty I don't want to say large scale just because I don't really have, you know, the experience to a back reference that up. point. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it genuinely felt like we were filming a movie like it was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely the largest production I've been a part of as yeah. far as like video goes. Yeah. 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 We lucked out with that location. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. I just I, I feel like that that it was so well done. I really enjoyed the visuals. I couldn't shake the the eyes wide shut meets James Bond vibe that I got off of it. Cool. Um, yeah, so it was just it was really cool, and I also like the fact that it's kind of got this part of it looks like you're all a bunch of actors, right? And then part of it's like, oh, here's my fucking drum sets right here, you know, yeah. and then here's my guitar in the middle of the parking lot. In the middle of the parking lot, yeah. we're all yeah. jamming, you know. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was I thought that was a, a really cool idea. So, are there going to be more yeah. videos? Yeah, we've already got. Two more videos shot and edited, and then we've got an additional lyric video all okay. set up for the album. We just want to have enough content to keep people, you know, happy. We, we've been gone for a while, and we want to make sure that when we come back, we really show them that we were thinking about them the whole time. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because there, there has been a period of time uh, because, you know, the last EP launched in, what, 2016? So we're looking at about a five-year hiatus, and that hiatus really, you took that time to, I guess, develop a new pathway right uh it kind of work on the concept work on you know the vibe of the band and, and get some new stuff going but when you relaunch you're gonna launch with a lot of content it right. seems to be the goal so how okay so question number one on that then is do we have a name for the album that we're ready to release yet Self-titled. We're yeah. just going to do a ballsy move and just go straight. South. This is who we are, Pathways. Cool. Is it going to be an all-black cover with maybe a snake With maybe on a it? snake, <laughs> a gray snake. Yeah, yeah. black album. <laughs> or maybe an all-white album. 
<laughs> so, um, okay. With Kyle That'll be the flute. next one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be on the cover of the next one. Right. Perfect. So, yeah. It'd be like Spinal Tap. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Gotta do that. I always make Spinal Tap references and hardly anybody ever gets them, but um, can I, don't I get blacker? It's not. <laughs> Turn it up enough. to 11. Oh, yeah. That's one loud, ain't it? Uh-uh. Um, so, yeah. That's, okay. So, we've got self titled album. What do we think is a realistic release window that we might anticipate? Honestly, I, at this point, we're using the single, um, the goo, to gauge everything. So we were on a label. We were on Tragic Hero Records. And um, essentially, we we dissolved our contract. Um, we were on really good terms with the CEO of the label. His name is Tommy. And uh, when we moved out here, we needed time. And, you know, although we're a small part of what is considered the industry, we learn that content, you know, is king. So if you're either inactive or not pushing any content, then you just need to take a break. Like you can't um, try to milk any kind of support at that point for what it's worth. So um, we want to establish and show that we're completely self-sufficient again. And we're using this to kind of gauge whether we're going to do this independently or try to get some support. So that's kind of our mindset right now. Um, so everything is in the hands of the single and the single is going to do great things because it's goo. Yeah. So now the single, obviously, I've heard it and you've heard it. Has it been released officially yet? Not yet. March okay. 26th. No. So that brings us there to so March 26th. What's going to happen on March 26th? So we have a, a six-week release plan that we've been doing to build up our own preparation. And you can expect a lot of content for the same form of media. Just sharing the same link doesn't work anymore. So March 26th is the official release date. That's when we'll go live on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, anything that you use. March 25th, we're going to have a premiere with a publication named Metal Injection. I know Metal Injection quite well. Fantastic. Uh, during the two-week build-up to uh, the actual release date, we will be doing more live sessions, getting engaging with our community. We'll be uh, releasing merch individually for this solo uh, single and then after the song is released on March 26th we'll have multiple versions of content for it such as remixes we'll have competitions just to try and reconnect with our fans let them know hey we haven't forgot about you we missed you a lot thank you so much for waiting here's some new music by the way we have a lot of new music on the way after this too Yeah, and most importantly announcing Kyle and John Ayer mm-hmm. right Oh yeah, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I I think what is kind of setting you apart right now is the fact that you have a very cohesive plan for what you're going to do with the content. So it sounds like what you're saying to me in a lot of words is, Mike, I don't want to give you a release date yet because we really are going to test the waters. One hundred percent. Before we really kind of go down that hole, um, but you have a very good plan for what you're going to do in terms of social media, in terms of partners with, sure. you know, radio media, stuff like that, which, which is, which is great. What do you think the fans that have been with you from the get go, who know you as a more traditional, you know, deathcore, metalcore, progressive band, how do you think they're going to respond to kind of the newer stuff? I don't see it as being like a drastic departure, but there are some thematic and stylistic differences um, that I think are being explored. Do you think that it will resound well with the OGs? You know, I, the resonance is always going to be there. We've we've been pretty lucky with an like an established fan base of people that at, at least want to support us 
And there are, you know, of course, people that have been there from the beginning, people that have come on just recently and have heard something from 2016. And the the most common thing we get is, yo, when are you guys going to release new music? <laughs> and every time we answer this, we're like, oh, how do we say this? And like, do, yeah. we, do we say we've been working on it? Do we blame it on the pandemic? But we can say this. We have been working on it. We've been more busy than we've ever been behind the curtains. And, you know, all of the elements are still there that makes the music what it is. If we had a gimmick, if there was such a thing as one, a shtick, it would be our blend of classical music. It's not really a common thing. A lot of bands think they have a really pronounced and unique sound. And I we'd like to think that we do, but that is definitely our thing, is the classical influences. So it, it's definitely what stands us apart. I'm not so sure about the unique factor, but to answer your question, I do think all of the elements are there. Um, there are going to be fans that are going to love it. There are going to be people, I think, that are going to absolutely despise it. But I I'm think ready for that, the hate from the elitists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But no matter what, I refer to them as purists. But purists. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, metal purists. And I think that it's more of a statement than anything. This is we finally found the sound that works for us. And honestly, if we're proud of it, even if this flops. I, I would love, we have a running joke where it's just like, let's just go down with the ship, each one of our members. Mm-hmm. And like, I would like to go down with the ship, even if it sells a hundred copies, I am fine. I, like, I'm good with this. You know, you guys are like the string quartet on Titanic, right? That's yeah. right. <laughs> that is us, yeah. Yep. Another brandy, gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been it's a pleasure. pleasure. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah. Um, However, I mean, doing some social media stalking of you guys, um, I mean, realistically, you've got, what, fucking 30,000 followers on the Facebook. Your videos have over 100,000 views. I mean, let's just say, worst case scenario, that half the people that follow you, you know, download a single, buy a single, you know, do a one purchase or a digital or, you know, you know, front for a hard copy. I don't think there will be a challenge in terms of sales by, by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think really what will be the challenge is what all musicians are facing right now is how do we stay relevant in this time frame, you know, with, with COVID and, you know, how do we navigate the digital platforms, which are far less profitable for musicians? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we balance putting out physical product and getting it to people? How do we... Mm-hmm let people know that we have all this stuff kind of in the works and, and and let people know that there is new material on the horizon. I mean, if you want to hold off on announcing release dates, but you've got content in the meantime, I think that works in your benefit. I see a lot of bands that are saying, we're going to wait till the time is right to, to say all this stuff. But in the meantime, you give people nothing and you're giving them something. Right. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So March 26th, we we get so, some really, really, really cool stuff from you guys. And then after that, is it going to be just a, a wait and see the response, or are you already have plans in motion for that day forward as well? We have some plans post-release. Uh, we're keeping in mind that songs do have a shelf life. Um, sure. I don't really know what the average is, maybe about a month, five weeks or so. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually learned that since uh, working with these guys. Um, they're a lot more knowledgeable about the ins and outs than I am, but we definitely want to stay relevant. Once this is out, we can't stop and slow down. You know, we got to keep working. 
uh, keep interacting with everybody. In terms of a solid plan, though, um, we're going to ride this single out for, you know, the month, five week period. And then uh, I think, like John said, we'll play it by ear. But you've got a couple of other videos in the meantime. So I assume that there will be other singles released Mm -hmm. as well. Are you going to put a cap on singles or just keep releasing them and see how they go? Three we want to do, ideally. Three singles. Three singles. Yeah, so we have the album finished. We have content for the album. Goo is a standalone single that we can show our new sound to fans let them know there has been a change. It's a bonus track. (laughs) More or less, yeah. Uh, And then for the album content, we have a plan for each individual single. When the second, the first single from the album, but the second release of our return comes out, is going to be pendant on the response of the crowd to goo. So we're going to use that to, you know, for the boring terms, gauge our analytics, find out where, <laughs> our, where our listeners are. We did have this ready prior, but you know, we wanted to wait out a little bit of the saturation of content during the, the quarantine. Okay. You know, you can only wait so long though. It, it's yeah. been done. We really want the world to hear it. We already made them wait long enough. It's time that we put it out there. And then we have, that plan that only gets more and more solidified for the following singles from the album. Okay. Now Mm -hmm. is this entire project, I mean, is it mixed and mastered and pretty much ready to package at some point when you decide done fucking Mm -hmm. done weapons prime. And are you going to self release it? Is that decided yet? You left your prior label on good terms. Has there Mm -hmm. been talks of maybe reworking with them again? Uh, What are we going to do for distribution or is that even a conversation you've had yet? We've been lucky that we've kind of, so with the way um, of, I I would say, like the industry climate is right now, you know, we're certainly not immune to that. But what we've been seeing and what we've noticed is that singles and EPs are having a resurgence. They're having a huge comeback. The days of releasing an album and kind of doing a tour and then releasing an album and tour would be a thing, but that's just not the, you know, the state of the world right now. So what a lot of people are doing is just singles upon their, all of our favorite bands and every, every, a lot of relevant bands are doing like three, three song EPs. They're releasing singles here and singles there. So that's why we're kind of doing to gauge this, but we do have, um, solidified plans when it comes to merchandising and distribution. We already have that down. We have learned things from being on the label as far as, um, getting back on with tragic We've had some talks about that, but we really just want to see where we can gauge the rest. Like, a, like you said, the short answer is, no, Mike, we don't have a time, but we're going to gauge. <laughs> we're going to gauge, bitches. We're going to gauge. So, uh, okay. Most important question of the day. Uh, Obligatory answer. Mm-hmm. I need vinyl. You guys going to press on vinyl? Will? Yo! <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. So we wanted vinyl for even the DSC ray, but the issue is you can only put so much on one side of the vinyl. Absolutely. And we ideally wanted the uh, full versions and the instrumental versions, you know, to be the side A, side B. The issue with the album is it is more tracks than we've ever put out at one point. Um, you said put out. <laughs> Ayo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know... I don't know if you've noticed in the time that you're doing a little light cyber stalking of us is that pathways is a history of releasing instrumental versions of the songs. I have noticed that we don't know if we're going to put in instrumental versions of the songs. We do have them done mixed and ready, but they were written to have a vocalist in mind. Uh, so if we do have an instrumental, the idea of having a vinyl full version and a vinyl instrumental is less likely as opposed to one on one. However, we can't fit both sides on one vinyl. So 
if we do only release it as just the music, no instrumental versions, vinyl is a very, very big mm-hmm. possibility. If we do decide to do the instrumental release, it might not get to happen other than maybe like an anniversary edition. But either way, it's something that we've given a lot of thought to. There's definitely a niche community and we love it. So is double vinyl just too cost prohibitive to consider? Unfortunately, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, So you'd be surprised how many things that a band can do themselves these days uh, in regards to any kind of production for album sales, any kind of merch production for themselves. It's not, it's no longer the way it used to be even as little as five years ago where you had to put down a big chunk of money, buy a bulk of merch and then mail it out. You can now do print on demand. There's all sorts of different companies that help out independent artists, which is a big thing of why we're trying to decide of whether we want to go independent, but we really love that in our genre, having an established label not only is you know a little bit of a belt of bragging right but they do have extra connections that it's very very difficult to build as a solo artist it is yeah yeah well i will give you my address well actually you have my address for those test pressings um you can just send them here <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no I, I think that's cool you know vinyl I, i've talked about this many times over the course of the last couple of years especially but you know it, it's it's facing a a resurgence of sorts mm-hmm. and there's something about it that I, I think people clamor for. I mean, not only is it like a cool collectible piece, um, but it's also nostalgic. And I think that people really like the the interactivity of vinyl where, you know, you're picking it up, you're touching it, you're flipping it over. Um, you know, it's just kind of a, it's something tangible. Like, And I'm a CD guy too. I still love CDs and all my friends are like, well, I have fucking CDs. How old are you? You know, but I mean, so I love physical merch, but there's something about vinyl that is just kind of like a special thing. Uh, you know, my dad had a huge vinyl collection and mm-hmm. also a huge like a reel to reel tapes. I grew up listening to reels. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I just, I, I applaud people that go the extra step to get those, those pressings. And I know that right now with COVID, a lot of, uh, pressings are like backed up like they're they're super backed up uh i I can think of a half a dozen uh bands from my friends right now that are the album is done everything is done it's just it's it waiting for that pressing yep um and they're just waiting because they just can't get it back yet so Mm -hmm. uh so cost uh cost factors uh, aside there is a real possibility that we'll get a vinyl off you depending on what route you decide to go with the instrumental Oh yeah. It's things. a want. It's a hundred percent of a want yeah. for sure. Cool. Well, you know, there's also, uh, a lot of bands have done things like, you know, uh, you know, version one, version two. So yeah, we'll look forward mm-hmm. to that anniversary edition, but maybe, you know, 11 months early, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Good one, one month, one the next month. Hey, why not? So, you know, the, let me ask you this. I, I've asked this of a lot of people. So you, you kind of touched on the fact that, you know, back in the day it was like, everything was based off, I should say artist success was based off album sales. And then that kind of shifted. It went by the wayside and it became tour, 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 you know, do the grind, travel around, um, albums and contracts kind of went by the wayside and it became an album by album thing. And then we got into people releasing independently, hence why tours became the big thing. Uh-huh. Now we're seeing physical products become the norm again. So do you see pathways as, and I'm not, I'm, I'm speaking financially, but I just mean in terms of, of exposure that you will get the bulk of your exposure from the releasing of albums, or do you think it will come from releasing of like videos or other kind of media? How do you see pathways getting back into the fold of public awareness? I think that, um, 
I think that right now it's important to see the changes and to embrace the changes that are happening right now. Uh, case in point being things like TikTok. Uh, so we we saw things happening where uh, we were just talking about how self-sufficient and how surprising it is how you could be self-sufficient when it comes to these things like distributions and whatnot, even even recording. Like it's so easy to record and mix and master, you know, compared to what it was like. Um, so uh, that's worked in our favor. Even things like graphic design has been in our favor. We, we handle that as well. Um, so uh, embracing some of the changes uh, like the social medias and the different platforms. So uh, our, our, our methodology right now is to just uh, scorched earth like a motherfucker <laughs> on every single platform be everywhere and you know it, it's just i i think that every platform has its time and place um i we were not opposed or um we're certainly not going to uh segregate any platform um and you know artists right now are getting signed off of tiktok uh we know that because we yeah mind blown and we actually learned that semi-recently um, a lot of the new signings are from TikTok. Go who to thunk, you know? And um, it's just we're a victim of the times and we have to adapt or perish. And, you know, so again, to answer your question, we're going to use and abuse every single method in our hustle. What else then do we need to know about where you guys are at? We've talked about a lot of stuff. There's some cool new things coming. What haven't we touched on that we need to get out to the world? I think that you've done a great job of asking us questions that aren't just mundane and that the big news that we really want everyone to know is that we have a new song coming out March 26th. We finally finished the album. It has a release date for the next single within this year, whether it's going to be through independent or through support is something that we're trying to gauge on which one is more realistic and which one is going to be more beneficial. But we've done a lot of research. We spent a lot of time. We have a lot of content and we're just ready to start putting it out to the people who really want to hear it. Cool. So if people want to drink your Kool-Aid and join the cult, how do they find you on social media? Where do they go on March 26th to get this epic new material? How do they find you? They can find us on every major streaming platform, whether it be Spotify, Deezer, or Apple Music, and they'll be able to watch the official video for Great Old Ones on YouTube at Pathways Band. They'll be able to find us on just about any social media at Pathways Band, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, even the whole nine, baby. Pornhub. Uh, yeah, that's right. No, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, OnlyFans coming up. Yeah. And you'll be able to find us on any major platform. We'll be sharing it and running ads so we can try and get connect with people who haven't even heard of us yet. Awesome. And uh, so you heard it here, folks. Wait, March 26th is almost here. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys for hanging out with me today on Misery Point Radio. This has been awesome. Open door for you guys. Anytime you got stuff you want to promote, just give me a call. Uh, you know, we'll make it happen. We'll help you promote the shit out of this album. I'm really excited for it. I'm excited for you guys. Uh, honored that you would uh, drive all the way from Florida to come to my house here. <laughs> and, uh, no, this has been great. So uh, John, John, Eric, Kyle, Will, Thanks for being here today, man. This has just been an thank absolute you so much. blast. Thank you, yeah, thank you Mike. You're the pleasure, man. dude. Thank By you the way, so Mike much. makes the best cappuccino I think I've had <laughs> in this entire state. So he also come makes on an outstanding old fashioned. Old fashioned as well. <laughs> yeah. Come to the Misery Point Radio Studios. You can have some drinks. I'll make you coffee. I'll make you an old fashioned. Uh, and we'll have a hell of a time. We will see you guys very soon. Thank you very much.
And I'm going to leave you with a little sneak peek of a couple of clips from the upcoming single from Pathways called Great Old Ones, releasing on March 26th. So make sure you follow the band on all their social media channels and show some support. And do the same for me here on Misery Point Radio. Later, minions. I'm